chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. Amen. I want to also recognize our guest with us today. Amen. Crystal Hopkins. Crystal, raise your hand and let everybody see. No, that didn't raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> she did this. I said, no, come on, let's go. Crystal, we welcome you. I met Crystal back at North American Youth Congress in Indianapolis uh, when we were there. And so, Crystal, it's good to see you this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. We also want to recognize Majid Rickerson. Majid, right up here in the front. Nice to have you, Majid. Amen. God bless you. Amen. He's a guest of Sister Heidi. And 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 her husband, um, Brother Sam. And so, Sister Heidi and Brother Sam, they're always looking to bring people to church. I tell you, God bless you. It, it always tells what you think about your church when you tell people, come to my church. Tells It shows what you think about your church when you tell people, come to my church. If you're reluctant to tell people to come to your church, it tells what you think about your church. <laughs> so we appreciate those of you that invite people to church. We appreciate your diligence. Acts chapter 2. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 42 says this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men. As every man had need, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I could entitle the message today. The continuance. But I'm going to entitle it today, Wonders and Signs. Wonders and Signs. Lord Jesus in heaven, you are so good to us. You've been better to us than we can ever be to ourselves. And today, Lord God, we look to you. We will not be inward and self-centered, but Lord, we will be Christ-centered. And as Lord God, we stand here or sit here, we will worship you. We will praise you. We will adore you. Lord, we know that there's something, oh God, wonderful and powerful that you're wanting to do in our midst, in our lives. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ and release, Lord God, the wonders and the signs among us. For we're believing your power, Lord God, to work in our midst. And Lord God, that we 
that are here today, whatever the needs are, Lord God, that we will receive them today and that we will leave out of this place today with every need that we will bring to you, every need being fulfilled. Lord, bless your people, and I pray faith will raise greatly in their spirit, in their heart, and that, oh God, you will do great things in their life. We thank you today, and we praise you, and all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Can somebody say in Jesus' name? Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sister Heidi. No big deal. Come here. Come here. Because I'm getting ready to preach about what's going on right now. So we might as well see God in action right now. Hallelujah. Let's have Jesus do what only Jesus do. She having pain in her body. And I just want Jesus to show y'all something today. Raise your hand with me. And I want you to believe right now. Ando koshiki, ando lomosa. Ah, Jesus, you are the almighty God. <laughs> and even now as I pray, I release into her body your healing virtue. Not because I have healing virtue, but because, Lord, I have favor with you. You've called me as your conduit. Now, oh God, I pray by the authority of the word of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the name that you behold. <laughs> oh, that you are healed and that all pain will come out of your body. And as you walk now, as you leave this altar, the glory of the Lord will be upon you. The power of God will heal you and make you whole and that you will be free in your body in the name of Jesus. Ah, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, somebody give the Lord some praise in this house. Oh, what a wonderful name it is. Wonders and signs. The Bible clearly states in Acts chapter 2 verse 43 what the Lord did among the apostles and I like to tell people this and some of you have heard me said it and I will continue to say it don't you read your Bible and think what God did for the people before us, the generations before us, that he is a respect of persons and think that he will do for the generation back then but he won't do for us today God is no respect of person. God can't treat you differently than he treats me. He treats us all with love and, 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 and he have compassion and he cares about every one of us. And if you need healing, just like he healed in the, the, when he walked this earth, he will heal now. And so God is wanting to heal and deliver and he wants to help us to, to walk this life that he has put before us. And so God is no respect of person. Whatever he says in his word, you take it to the bank. Amen. And so the scripture says in Acts 2.43 that, well, let's go to Acts 42, 2 and 42 first. And they continued steadfastly. And they continued steadfastly. Uh, for those of you that were here last Sunday, you remember we talked about uh, what is this all about? And we, we kind of talked about, you know, this thing that we do all the time concerning God. What is that all about? And we were able to get into that. And I feel like we're continuing in that 
vine and, and, and what is this all about, right? And so we move to the next dimension of what this is all about. And we said one of the things that this is all about was salvation. Somebody say salvation. Salvation is us getting saved. Salvation is God delivering us from sin. Salvation is God delivering us from the power of darkness and translating us into his light. And so while this world is dark and full of sin, my, my goddaughter posted something the other day, but I'm, I'm always, in case you wonder, I always... I'm careful what I even say and respond to on social media because you got to always, but you post something really good that I should have responded to. And, and she was talking about how so many people in our world wants to say, well, if God is God, why do we allow people to be this way? Why do, does he allow crimes and all of that stuff? And she said it more eloquently than me, but I've always said that God can do what needs to be done to rectify everything in our world. But if he does it, it takes away the power of choice. That is very powerful because we're wondering sometimes why certain things don't happen. And if God is God and he knows what I'm experiencing, why don't he do it? Because God still, the way he established the world and the way he established relationship was through choice. Relationship is not about I'm going to make you. Relationship is about choice. And so what you choose to do is what will depend on how the relationship work. And so God gave us choice to make a decision on, do we follow him? He gave us choice to say, do you get in a relationship with me? He gave us choice to say, will you obey the commandments of God? Those are choices that God has given us, and it's up to us to choose to make those decisions or not. So because God has given us the, the, the opportunity to choose if we're going to love our brother or hate our brother. So we have crime and issues because we choose not to love our brother, but we choose to hate our brother. And again, God can do what, whenever he's ready, he can come and says, okay, I'm just going to wipe you all out and just, you know, everybody that's evil, I'm going to kill you right now. He could do that. But that's him forcing his control upon us. And what God is saying is, oh, I'm all powerful. I don't have to force my control upon you. I'm going to give you a choice to make a decision on what you want to do. Are you going to follow me or are you going to do whatever you want? And so choice is a powerful thing. And so God has made salvation available to us. When you come to church and you hear the preacher preach and you don't have salvation in your life you have a choice today if you walk out of these doors and not accept salvation or you accept salvation all of us do so when you come into a church you can determine what you will walk out of that door with or without and so if you came in with no salvation you can leave out with salvation if you came in with baggage and hurt and pain you can leave out with the without the baggage and the hurt and the pain you choose what you leave out of here with today you choose that if you want to leave out of here with the power of God working in your life you can if you want to leave out of here healed and holding your body you can but it's up to you because God has given you the choice so when you walk out don't think God decided not to do something for you. The, 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 the question should be, what did you decide to do? 
Come on, somebody, and help me this morning. And so last Sunday and even Thursday night, you chose, uh, you chose to, to come to the altar. You chose to worship God. You chose to praise the Lord. And I'm sure last Sunday, many of you walked out of here saying, uh, something happened to me. And like Thursday night, I'm sure many of you walked out of here and said, God did something in this place. Because when you respond to what God is doing and what God is saying and how God is directing you. When you respond, something has to happen to you. And we responded. Salvation is a choice. Whether you get saved or not, it's a choice. Can I say this? I'm going to stay on this for a minute as the Holy Ghost leads me. I'm going to take my time and let the Holy Ghost do what he's going to do. And here is what I want to tell you about this whole salvation thing. We don't realize. I was talking to somebody yesterday. Hmm. I was talking to somebody yesterday. Stand by Brother Wood. You know what I'm talking about. Not that you all don't, but I'm sure he does. I was talking to someone yesterday, right? (laughs) And someone was trying to explain to someone about the differences in churches. And they wasn't getting it. And I happened to drop in the conversation when they started talking about it. So I said, let me explain it to you this way. Why this sister's trying to get you to come to our church. I said, the church that you go to is like Mercer County Community College. Mercer County Community College can give you a good education. You will graduate and you can do good things. But it's not the same as Yale. And this church and so many churches like this one, we're the University of Yale, Harvard, Princeton, whichever one you want to name, all those Ivy Leagues. We are Ivy League. If you go to some other churches, you're going to a county college. You get a two-year degree, which means there's more to go. And you will get a good job with that two-year degree and there will be some good things. But ain't nothing like graduating from Harvard. Ain't nothing like graduating from... I'll throw BU in there, Zuri. Okay, it's okay. BU is pretty good. But I'm talking about Harvard and Princeton and Yale. Cornell. Cornell. Penn. We can keep going. But when you go to an apostolic church, you're going to an Ivy League. When you go to some other churches, you're going to community college. That's not to say anything bad. Because many of people have gone to community college and done wonderful things. I'm just telling you, do you want a Harvard education or you want a community college education? Yeah, I know it don't sound good, but I'm just telling you the truth. Here's what I'm going to tell you as I'm saying that. This is where I'm going while I'm saying that. How many people you think in the world, percentage-wise, you can go to them and say, how can I be saved? And they tell you exactly how to be saved. Now, that's something big to me. When you go to someone that said they go to church, you can try it out this week. Just listen until you pick up that somebody goes to church. Just say to them, so if I wanted to get saved, how would I get saved? And see how they tell you how to get saved. They will tell you all kinds of things. You will be so confused. You're like, huh? And you will never really walk away from them knowing how to be saved. Well, because we're in Harvard, we got the answers to everything. 
And so when you ask an apostolic person how to be saved, they will tell you exactly how to be saved. Now here is what I'm telling you today. You can't go everywhere and hear what I'm telling you and what I've been telling you. And so when you come into this place and I say, here is how you get saved and you ain't never been saved, you better hear what I'm saying. Because you may be taking it for granted that next week or next year or two years from now, you're going to go to a church that's going to tell you the same thing I told you and I'm trying to tell you it might not be the case. We got to get saved if we want to be saved. And I can tell you and others in here can tell you how to be saved. But every day you walk out of these doors when you come in without giving your life to God, you run the risk of never being saved. And if you want to be saved, you won't just hear it any place. I heard a preacher said, I give him credit because he clarified. I'm not going to call his name. But I heard a preacher tell people if they want to be saved, to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart and you will be saved. And if I ever see him, I would probably say, show me where you got that from. He won't be able to show me that because we take up some tradition. But that same preacher I heard said this. His doctrine is not 100%. I like that, though. Because what he was telling me is Mercer County. (laughs) I can get you an associate's, but I can't get you a doctorate from Harvard. Mm -hmm. And so salvation is important. We must continue in our salvation to be saved. Somebody say amen. Amen. You have, you have heard the term one save, always save. Anybody ever heard that term? One save, always save. Well, here is something that I will give you this morning in case you hear that term again. The Bible says, and they continued. Now, if one save, always save, it means that all I got to do is follow the formula to be saved, and then I don't have to continue. It means I just practice the formula. I just say those magical words, and and, and now I have the salvation formula, and I don't have to continue in anything. Just say the magical formula, and I'm good. But I'm telling you, the scripture says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they continued steadfast daily in the apostles' doctrine. And if we're going to be saved and stay saved, we have to continue daily in the apostles' doctrine. Amen. Four claps. I'll make you feel good in a little bit. Don't worry. But I always got to make sure I give you sound doctrine, right? You know, you'll get, you feel good a little bit later. Trust me. I'll let you leave feeling good later. (laughs) And so they continued. Salvation is not a ritualistic thing we do than go back to living how we were living. We must continue in our salvation. Somebody say, I must continue in my salvation. The devil 
has messed with some of us and make us think that when we do the, the, the when we follow the instructions for salvation that we're going to be fine no matter what and I'm here to tell you the only way you're going to be fine no matter what is if you continue in the apostles doctrine in the way that has been instructed to the church to 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 live and to and and to carry out the instructions of God and so if we continue we will continue to be saved. If we don't continue, then we cease being saved. Hmm. Bible says, lay aside every weight and every sin. Can I ask you this? What is your reason? What is, why does sin get a hold of us and 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 we keep going back to sin. Why do we keep going back to sin? I'll throw this out to you. God will reveal to me things that I don't say. But I'll just say it in general this morning. Many of us have allowed sin to have a hold of us. And that's why we can't really get what God has in store for us. And that's why we can't experience the full power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, the, 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 the anointed minister Thursday night that priest talked a little bit about this. We can't experience the fullness. We can't experience the, the, the power of God like we need to because we've allowed sin to have a hold of us. And so while there is just a little bit of crease when we come to church where the power of God is, is, is manifest and the word of God is being preached, we get a little bit of, oh yeah, and you feel a little bit of the power of God and you hear the word and something happens while you're in here but if you don't get fully delivered and fully set free when you walk out of here you go back and let that situation control you but I'm here today to tell you you don't have to live your life where sin has a hold of you and controlling you and every time you're trying to live right and trying to do right all of a sudden you find yourself falling back into that same situation Whatever that situation is that you know is wrong, you keep finding yourself going back into it. And God, He wants to deliver you. He wants to set you free. He don't want you being controlled by sin and by the desires that have your captives. And when you come to church, you get just a little window of blessings, but it never lasts because you are being held captive. And there is a good portion of you, and this is not judging you. Can I tell you this? Man can't judge. Because man don't know everything. But who can judge? Because God knows everything. So if God shows me something, I speak it, not as a man, not, not, not according to what I think. I'm speaking what the Spirit of God has revealed to me and what the Spirit of God has been dealing with me a little bit is that sin has a hold of some of us and holding on to us and we can't get totally delivered and liberated because sin is holding on to you and you're letting sin have power over you. You come and you feel good a little bit, but, but, but you, you find yourself going back into a dark place uh, just for a 
moment you find yourself drifting back into that life that you know you want to get rid of and you know it's not pleasing to God but you keep finding yourself going back and my question to you today is what is it that that sin has on you that you can't just let it go that you can't just set it free and just live for Christ what is it what is it what is it Begin to talk to yourself and search yourself about that. Why is it so important? Why am I holding on to it? Why am I giving so much value to that sin? That thing that's deep down in me that I know is wrong. Why am I giving it so much value? And I want to tell somebody today, God wants to do so many things in your life. You're holding God's hand up. God is saying, I'm ready. And you're holding him up because of how you feel and what you think and what you're doing. And God is saying... I'm ready to do something. I'm ready to do something. But will you let me loose to do it? Will you set me free to do it? You didn't think you could hold God up. But yes, you can. Because you are created for a purpose. And God wants to leave, wants to set you free to do what he wants you to do. But he can't use you if you're bound by sin. He can't use you if you're doing what you want. He can't use you if you're not giving him access to your life. He can't use you. And so we're there and God is just saying, are you kidding me? The general superintendent of the United uh, Pentecostal Church in the National wrote his, his monthly bulletin the other day. And he says God spoke to him for two hours. My God, the man of God is so powerful. He, he does a lot of writing and God was just dealing with him for about two hours. I sent you all the article in case you read it. I sent you and, and what he's saying is God wants to give us unprecedented revival. He said what we had done, he watched how the organization of, of, of flowed. And one of the things that we had issues with over the years was just freely given of our finances. And when we got uh, delivered from that and now we're starting to give, not even worrying about this dropping money, we just started giving. When we started doing that, then the miracle, the, 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 the power of God started being un unleashed on upon us and we started seeing revival. And, and Brother Bernard says, oh, we haven't seen anything yet. He says the coming year, God wants to do exceeding and abundant in reaching the hearts and minds of people but it's up to us because how is God going to reach those people when there's nobody to minister to them Amen. one of the biggest travesty I think is you got saved and you comfortable that's heartbreaking for me and I'm not God that we can really get salvation and realize we have a path now to heaven and now we just live our life just thinking about us. I'm just trying to get to heaven. I'm just trying to get saved. Stay safe. Is that what your life going to be about? Remember what the word says. If you will try to gain your life, you will lose your life. But if you will lose your life for Christ's sake, you will gain eternal life. Can we get with God, get on the same page with God and realize his ways are not like our ways? And when we get this thing, we got to say, you know what, God, I got it. And if now you have me saved, it is my responsibility to tell the good news. And here, 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 hear this, hear this. Don't fool yourself. All of you. Have got people in your life that when something good happens, you go tell them that good thing. 
Don't you lie. Everybody in this room, there is somebody or some people that when something good happens to you, guess what? Are you doing that about your salvation? Guess what happened to me? Every day God wakes me up, something just great happening in my life. And guess what? You can have the same thing. I'm telling you, God is good and he's no respect of persons and he wants to do great things in your life. We got to let go of the sin that have us bound. We can't be vacillating. Uh, Sin, uh, Jesus, uh, sin, uh, Jesus. uh. And then sometimes we go touch the fan, just turn so it just stay on one side for a little bit. Oh, the sin is so good. Let me turn it this way and stay on the sin for a little bit. I get back to Christ. I'll get back to him. But the sin is so good. You just move that button on the fan and staying on it. And then when you come to church and you hear me preach this way, you turn the button back. Mm, let it vacillate. Mm, mm, mm. Won't you today, when it go to that side on Jesus, just turn the button and stay on Jesus' side and never vacillate back to your side of sin. What is the meaning of the apostles' doctrine? I'm giving you sound teaching. I try my best. The meaning of the apostles' doctrine. In scripture, the word simply means teaching. They followed the teaching of the apostles. Doctrine in that particular text means they followed the teaching. Now, a lot of people around our world that went to Mercer County having problems with this doctrine. (laughs) Oh, Lord. God going to get me in trouble today, Lord. Don't get me in trouble. Don't get me in trouble. We're following, we have a hard time embracing the apostles' doctrine because we're saying they ain't Jesus. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say the, the apostles ain't Jesus. Okay. My question to you is how did Jesus build the church? Who knows the word? How did he establish a church? You go to Matthew chapter 16 and read it. Because when he went to his, his disciples at the time and says, who do men say that I am? I'm just giving you words so in case you get offended by what I'm saying, you know you get offended at the word. Who do men say I, the son of man, am? And they said, well, some say you are Elijah. Some say John the Baptist. He says, all right, now that I ask you about them. Let me ask you about you all that's following me. Who do you say I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, whoa, okay. He says, that revelation, that, that you just spoke was a revelation. What did we talk about last week? That was a revelation. And that revelation is what I'm going to build this church upon. That premise of you understanding who I am. He didn't say that to anybody else. Who did he say that to? At the time when he said it, who did he say it to? The 11. So where else are we going to learn about Jesus Christ, how we're supposed to be saved? Were we mad because it said the apostle doctrine and not Jesus doctrine? We, 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 we fight with that. Well, it's, it's, I can't go with the apostle doctrine. He didn't, the apostle didn't die for us. I know that. But what I'm trying to tell you is that Jesus taught the apostles and they went ahead and taught what Jesus taught. Yeah. 
Right? Jesus is not here in this earth today, but his doctrine is still populating this earth. Why? Because you got to tell somebody and teach somebody, and then they got to go and tell somebody and teach somebody, and they got to go and tell somebody and teach somebody. And that's why over 2,000 years since Christ has died, the doctrine is populating the earth, and the power of God is still amazing because it kept on going. But where did it start? The apostles, the apostles, they walked with him. And before they became apostles, they were disciples. That's where it started. So when the Bible says apostles doctrine, it's telling you that they taught what Christ taught them. And it had to say the apostles doctrine because they took ownership of it when Jesus ascended to heaven. Again. I want, I want, did you talk to Jesus face to face? And whoever you learned from, did they talk to Jesus face to face? Why am I going in this direction? Did they talk to Jesus face to face? So whatever church you've been to, Tony, or anybody has been to, and they tell you, well, I just can't go with that apostle doctrine. That's what Christ wanted. Okay, what doctrine are you going with? And they're going to say, well, Jesus Christ. Okay, where did that person that's teaching you about the doctrine of Jesus Christ, where did they get their doctrine from? Because originally it started with the 11 apostles, the 12 apostles, 12 disciples, then apostles. That's where it started. And we can't start in no other place. That's it right there. Where's Ephesians 2.20? I, I didn't even put that on my, my text. But let me just use this real quick and move on. Because I, I, I'm telling you, wonders and signs is what I'm talking about today. But I always got to make sure the foundation is right. Give me um, Ephesians. And are built upon the foundation of what? And go ahead. Can we let that rest now and stop fooling around with apostles uh, doctrine? I don't know about that. Can we let that rest now? What does it, that's clear. It says the found. If you go up another verse, nineteen is telling you how it all is laid out, but it's telling you right here in twenty the clear, 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 clear instruction that our foundation is upon the apostles and prophets. Then it made sure I clarify Jesus Christ Himself. Being the chief cornerstone. And so he is the one that keep it all together. But that's what we were built upon. That's our foundation. We can be mad or be glad. I'm glad about it. So you, you all good? We can move, we can move away from that? Alright. So that's the apostles doctrine. What was the teaching of the apostles doctrine? I'm glad you asked. You probably say, no, I didn't ask that, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The teaching of the apostles was this, that Jesus Christ, who was crucified for our sins, was God manifest as man, the Messiah. They went on to say that we must repent of our sins. Why must we repent of our sins? Because we were the reason for him being crucified. He took on our sins. And so we need to repent. What is repentance? Confessing our sins to Jesus Christ and asking his forgiveness for all that we've done wrong and for doing things wrong that he had to come and die for you and me. Then they went on to say that everyone after they Understand who Jesus, who God is, that God is, uh, that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. They understand all of that. 
then after they understand that, then they must repent of their sins. Then he said that they must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For what? The removal, remission of sins. And then it says, and then God will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the apostle doctrine up to the point where we are today. So we'll talk about today, we'll finish up with what? The additional part of what the apostles taught that all of us, if we're going to be saved, have to embrace. Mm-hmm. So they said, repent. Actually, we can't start there. The revelation is where we got to start, that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Everybody understand that? Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And so we start with the revelation. And once we receive that revelation, then we have to repent. And then we have to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Anybody know why we have to get baptized in the name of Jesus? And not in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? There's power in the name of Jesus. Anybody else? Because Jesus died for you. So if you want to get technical, the Father never died for you. Because the Father can't die. Father's spirit. But the Father became man just so he can die. Man, when y'all get these revelations, man, about it. The Father couldn't die because he's spirit. But, but the Father says, I'm the only worthy one to save them, to die for them, because nobody else is good enough to die for them because everybody has sinned. So guess what? I can't send no son because I didn't have a son because guess what? I don't have a wife up here with me, so I couldn't create a son, so I couldn't send a son. So how else was I going to make sure somebody died for their sins that's righteous and ain't never sinned? Only I could have done that. So somehow i got to show you all how powerful I am, and I'm going to come through the womb of a woman and become a man, a man, but I'm still God even though I became a man. Because who else was going to die It's only God that could have died But God can't really die Because God is a spirit So God became man So he can die That's the reason behind all of this And I'm telling you When we can get this in our mind And in our heart We will realize Oh man I'll get to it I'm getting ready to finish up in in a second You'll really get that And so here we pick up With what else the apostles were were teaching Their doctrine And so they said that you must believe That Jesus Christ is Lord Then you must repent of your sins And be baptized in Jesus name God will fill you with the spirit The gift of the Holy Ghost And then he says When that's finished Everybody stop right there and that's the problem. When that's finished, we want you to continue in fellowship. Not to hurt you now for real. The church, Christian people, we're supposed to continue in fellowship. What is fellowship, preacher? Fellowship is coming together and discussing the things we have in common and we participate in. People are weak in their Christian walk because all you really do is come to church and go home and do whatever else you do. So the only time you connect with church people is when you come to church. God already knew that. And God says, that ain't the plan. You can't just come to church and then go home. You can't just come to prayer and then go home. You can't just come to Bible study and then go home. You need to fellowship because guess what? When you go to work tomorrow, how many people will have in common with you what you are experiencing now? So if none is going to be there, you can't have fellowship with them because you'll sound like a fool. Oh, the Holy Ghost moves and we were just dancing in the spirit. And they're saying, what in the world are you talking about? 
You can't have fellowship with them. So God designed the church that not only that we come and worship together, but we have to have fellowship. We've got to meet up. we got to chill out. we got to spend time because nobody is like us. They don't have the same things in common. So when you just come to church and go home, you're missing a key ingredient that will sustain you, that will help you grow as a Christian. I'm just teaching you the word of God. I just got excited a little bit. Got excited a little bit. But that's why fellowship is important. Okay? Because what, what, what gets us a lot of times is we go to work full of the, the word of God and full of the faith and full of the power of God. And we don't have nowhere to let it out. Amen. Good. And after a while, we just succumb to the people we work with. Yeah, I was out last night at the club. And now you just succumb to listening to that because you couldn't get yours out. Fellowship is important. The other thing is it says they continued in fellowship and breaking of bread. That's one of the reasons picnic was so powerful yesterday. And that's one of the reasons. We don't even realize stuff that God has put in place. We just think we're just doing it. No. We had things in common. We had things we participated in. And we was fellowshipping, talking about those things we have in common. And then ain't nothing like talking about what you like to talk about. That's right. And then eat some food. That salad was good. Thanks for buying the fruit, Barry. This is the matter. Thanks for hooking up the watermelon and blueberry. That fruit was good. After I ate me a couple pieces of steak, I ate some salad. Oh, man, that was good. It's not like some good food and just talking. Talking foolish. As long, you know, be talking foolish, but the food just so good, we sitting back talking. That's why I don't try to play dominoes sometimes, because I get off the hinges. <laughs> you know, I start eating food, and I just get silly and start talking crazy, brother Sam. I just get warmed up yesterday. That's why I don't play, because I go a little crazy. I just start going. Man, I love dominoes, but I got to control myself, because I get all crazy. But, but good food and fellowship? Oh, man, I can do that all day, every day. Good food and fellowship. So we got to break bread. Some people believe this text means, you know, communion. You can say communion, and then you can say breaking bread. Both are being considered into this text. But we have to fellowship, and we have to break bread. Somebody say amen. amen. Then it says that prayer, they must continue in prayers. And what do we do? We need to pray personally and corporately. My friend, Pastor Warren White, always give me this speech, always tell me this. When he started coming to church, right, he would come into the room where we were praying, and we all be praying. And so you got 50 people praying, some talking in tongues, some praying regular, some got their face to the wall, some laying on the floor, just all this noise. He said he sat one time, some walking around, he sat one time, and said, what in the world is this? <laughs> Like, how is God going to hear me when you praying, you praying, you talking about, oh, oh, and all of this stuff. He's like, what in the world? But he sat there and just kind of like, I guess this is right, but it's crazy. <laughs> but what did I say before I start talking? My friend, Pastor Warren White. <laughs> so, so I say that to say we have to pray personally in our closet. 
at home, in our cars, wherever, but we better come together corporately and pray because we will learn how to pray from each other. Just like we learn from each other in different things, we will learn from each other when we come together and pray. And when you just stay and pray by yourself, you can't edify yourself all the time. You need something else to edify you. And when you come around people that's praying, you say, oh man, and it might be overwhelming at first, but if you stop, Paul is another example of that. I know his sophisticated self when he came to church, Mr. Principal, he came to church. He heard us. He must have thought that we were just crazy. Talking about what is this? He's sitting back like I'm, I just can't do this. Now Tom come to church uh, and he talking in tongues and uh, I'm praying loud and that one's praying loud and but he praying now. But when he came, he sat back like I don't know how I'm going to do this. I watched Barry too. You think I don't know? He came to church too one time. And he was like, I don't know about this. He got on his phone. I saw him a couple of times. He went on his phone because he didn't know what in the world else to do. Because he's like, I'm trying to pray and I can't concentrate. So he just got on his phone. I don't know what he was reading. I don't know what he was doing. But he couldn't concentrate because he said, what in the world is going on? Okay, he was reading prayers. Because he couldn't pray while everybody else was going. The, 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 what I'm trying to get, what I'm, what am I trying to get to you? I'm trying to get across to you that we have to pray individually and we have to come together and pray. And you may be home saying, I can't go to prayer meeting because they pray loud. No, 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 no. You can't afford not to come together and pray because there's something that will happen when we all pray together that you can't duplicate when you're praying by yourself. And if we come together and pray, sometimes the power of God comes in so strong that we begin to call on the name of the Lord and something miraculous begin to happen because all of us are on one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting and it was like cloven tongues the like of the fire and they began to pray and they began to speak with the Holy Ghost as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance it was a one person when it happened it was 120 people in a room and it wasn't one person they all were praying they all were calling on the name of the Lord and that's how the Holy Spirit when it first fell and went into people's life the Holy Spirit came when 120 people was in one place and they were on one accord praying about the same things and they prayed and the Holy Spirit filled the house where they were sitting and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. It takes corporate prayer to do that. It takes people coming together to do that. It takes the glory of God for that to happen. And when we pray, that's what happens. It's the Word of God. A lot of times we want to see things happen the way we can understand it. And I have to tell you, if we're going to make it to heaven, if we're going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're not going to make it until we get out of our own way. Amen. we got to get out of our own way. Say, get out of your way. Because we're in our own way. God wants to do something in us and through us, but we're in our own way because we only can think of the way we can think and only the way. That's why the Bible says we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The mind that you had before you came to Christ. We need that mind transformed because that mind that you had before you came to Christ, it will go get you going in the wrong direction. It will get you saying and doing the wrong thing. And anytime you feel like you're, I just feel this 
way. When you get yourself saying, I just feel this way, you need to talk back to yourself and say, Wayne, you can feel that way all you want, but what does God say? What is the word of God telling you? It doesn't matter how you feel, Wayne, but what is the word of God telling you? What is God saying to you? What is the spirit of God moving you to do? It don't matter what you feel. That's probably the difference between some Christians that are trying to do their best to live right and others that says, I just can't. Because the deep, the big secret that we don't really realize, Brother Wood, big secret that we don't realize, we all experience and feel the same things. I don't know who told you that your life is different from somebody else's. You might have gone through different ways of life, different channels, but because it's called life, because it's called being a human being, because it's called being in this world that we have defiled and made it all messed up, we all are going through the same things. Uh, ain't nobody going through something different. We all got issues uh, in relationships. Uh, we all got marital situation. Uh, we all got children relationship. Uh, we all got issues with prayer uh, and maintaining our relationship with Christ. Uh, we all got job circumstances. Uh, we all got financial challenges. Uh, we all battling with past history and addiction and all kinds of struggles. We all got them. I don't know who told you that somebody got something different from me. No, we all got them. But the difference will be somebody will choose to obey God no matter how they feel. And others will say, you don't understand and just do whatever they want because they think we don't understand. For years in my Christian walk, people thought I was a machine. I'm not lying to you. It's crazy. They think, how's he doing that? Like I had some kind of superpower. I don't have no superpower. I'm just like you. I'm struggling like you. I'm hurting like you. I get frustrated like you. Things happen in my life like you. I fall like you. I get up like you. I have a hard time praying like you. I have a hard time sometimes being holy like you. But I choose to do what God says. I choose to live right. I choose to talk right. I choose to follow after God. No matter how hard the struggle, I still push hard somehow we got this misconception your life is a little bit easier you don't understand what I'm going through mine is just a lot different this is called life baby this is life it ain't called nothing else it's called life that's why Jesus came you think Jesus would go through all of that because only some of us were struggling? This is called life. He came to die for all. What he says? All have sinned. He didn't say some have sinned. He said all have sinned. So that's telling me we all got some issues. Ain't nobody that's just doing all good. It's, I mean, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter who you are. I don't care how we present ourselves as holy. We all got some issues. Touch your neighbor and say, you got some issues. Touch somebody and say, you got some issues. 
the quicker we embrace it and laugh at ourselves and stop making it serious and realize we got a Father in heaven that is all powerful, that loves us, that cares about us, that will never leave us nor forsake us, the quicker we realize that, the quicker we'll laugh at ourselves and say, you know what? I'm going through. But guess what? We've been married and doing for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. I'm not going to live in a struggle for the rest of my life. I might be weary now. I might be tired now. But God says, let the weak say I am strong. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord and give him some praise. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. And so here I'm closing. Acts chapter 2, verse 43 says, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Let me tell you this. That word fear... It's a four-letter word that is so powerful if you get a hold of it. Oh my God, if we really understand what this four-letter word really is all about, uh, we will get a hold of it uh, and we will let it transform our lives like we've never seen. And so the Bible says, and fear, fear, that is, uh, there was a great reverence and awe. Fear. A great reverence and awe. This is why we're missing it. I keep telling you about there's one God and I keep explaining it. And you might be saying, that's all that preacher ever talk about is one God. He keeps saying that over and over and over. Well, here is the revelation of why I keep saying it over and over. Until you get it for yourself, you will never be in reverence and awe like I am. You see, I keep saying it over and over because I'm in reverence and awe of who God is. Because I'm still trying to comprehend in my little mind how this God that encompasses everything, how this God that created everything, how this God that created human beings, how this God did that? How this God made himself a man? How did this God came into this world legally through the womb of a woman? This mighty God. How did God became a man? How did he come into this world and was just lower than angels? How did he do that? How did he come here? How did he go through the birth process? How did he become a, a human that developed and, 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 and just became an embryo and then went through the process of, of becoming a baby and was given birth to? How did that happen? How did he born into this world and now all of a sudden while he was going through the womb process, the birth process, he was still God and reigning but he was going through this birth process. How is that possible? You see, that's where I went. I started questioning, how do you do that? But I know that he did that. And that's why I'm in great awe. That's why I'm in reverence of him saying, God, you are amazing. And I can't even understand some of the things that you do. I can't even begin to comprehend some of the things that you do. But you did them nevertheless. And because you are that kind of God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to worship you. 
because God, what I need, you got it. Who I am, it's all it can be in you. And God, I'm going to do what you want because you're an amazing God. This is why that one God thing is so powerful, why I keep going back about who he really is. I want you to know what he went through and what he done. When you get that, you will get to a place of reverence and awe. My God, some of us right now, especially in this world, watch yourself. We allow celebrities to be oh the ones we in awe about. We 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 watch all these things, and it tells us because guess what? All of the the the, the media and Hollywood will will feed us what we want. They don't feed us what they want to. They feed us what we want. Talk shows always tell you. I talk about the subjects that you all listen to. So I can get ratings. TV programs tell you I put on shows and movies because of what you want so I can get the ratings. Because when I get ratings, people send me money for the commercials that they want to put on my pro. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. So we tell them what we want. And so the bottom line is we have allowed the, the, the celebrity scene to be the things that we're in awe of. If you ever look back and says, who am I more in awe of? Whoever your favorite celebrity is or Jesus Christ? Where will you end up? What will be going through your mind? Will you just begin to say, oh God, I've missed the mark because I'm more in awe of Jay-Z than I am of you. I'm more in awe of Beyonce more than I am of you. I'm more in awe of the Kardashians more than I am of you. I'm more in awe of Bill Gates than I am more than you. When we go on and on and says we're more in awe of the things that are not even of God. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm, I'm closing up. But I want you to get to focusing now on am I in awe of who God is? Am I in reverence of who God is? Or am I just making him uh, this this thing that can save me? I need to get to heaven, Brother Fox, so you know what? I'm just going to just do whatever I need to do so I can get to heaven. Is it that or is it I'm going to be in reverence of who God is? And so here's where I'm going. I'm closing. One of the missing ingredients in many of our churches today is the reverence and the awe of Jesus Christ. We often show more reverence to our celebrities in this world than we do our king. We must have reverence and awe for our Lord to point, to the point, to the point. Your reverence and your awe should take it to the point of worship. Church, let's pray. And we get a few people to pray. The preacher said, let's worship. And we get a few people to worship. Let's praise. And we praise for about 15 seconds because the preacher said, let's praise. For years, for years, I've told myself, I like sports. And I'm not going to any sporting event and, 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 and clap and say, oh, good, good move or whatever, and not come to church and go a little deeper. 
I always say if somebody walk in the door into a church where I am, they're going to know what I'm doing. They're not going to think I'm sitting around listening to a speech. They're not going to sit around, sit around thinking I'm listening to some monologue, some guy that's talking that's pretty crafty and pretty nifty. They're not going to come in thinking that's what I'm doing. They're going to say, oh, what's up with him? And I'm going to be able to show them I am worshiping my king. I'm going to show them I'm here. Yes, I want to hear the word, but I know who my king is. I knew who the, I know who the Lord is, and I'm going to worship him, and I'm going to praise him. Nobody got to make me. Nobody got to force me, but Jesus is my Lord, and I'm going to admonish and uplift, and oh God, I'm going to praise you because I'm in awe of who you are. I'm in awe and reverence of you being almighty God, and I don't need nobody to prod me and prop me to do it. That's what was so beautiful about last Sunday. Because people came to the altar and nobody made you. I knew I was just preaching and I was lost in the world. And all I know, the altar was just full. People was praying. That's what God is looking for from us. Remember, I keep telling you, it's not good enough to need God. You better want God. Because if you don't want Him, you won't really get Him. God knows you need Him. And whatever we need, we'll do a little something, something to get it. But it ain't about what we need. It's about us wanting God. Do you want God or do you just wait need him and if I'm here I'm saying God I just don't need you I know I need you but I want you I want you so badly that I will do whatever it takes to get closer to you your reverence and awe. Where's your reverence and awe for God? When you came in this morning, where was your reverence and awe? When you praised and worshiped Him, when you sang to Him, where's your reverence and awe? Whatever you're doing in the kingdom of God, where's your reverence and your awe? Whatever it is, will you get caught up in Jesus? Will you get lost in Him? Because He is the everything of your life. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> Let, let me share this with you because I'm done here. I'm done. Our reverence and awe towards God. You ready for this? Come on. It's what produce wonders and signs. Everybody want to be healed. But there is no reverence and awe. Everybody want to be delivered. There is no reverence and awe. Everybody wants God to work a situation out for them. But, Brother Moscow, there is no reverence and awe. And I'm getting ready to show you in about five minutes I'm going to finish. I'm going to show you what the reverence and awe will produce. Because I'm not just talking. I'll back up what I'm telling you in Scripture. That reverence and awe for who God is will always produce wonders and signs. And many of us need wonders and signs. Many of us aren't serving God because we don't really believe He's really real. Because we haven't experienced any wonders and signs. But I'm telling you today, you can experience wonders and signs in your life, in your church, in your car, and in your home. If there is a reverence and awe. You ready for me to show you that? Acts chapter 2 verse 42, 43. There you go, there you go, there you go. Stay right there. What did it say? Let's read together. 
When was the wonders and signs done? No, no, look, look. When did the signs and wonders take place? When reverence and awe came into the life of people, signs. Here's, here's the second to last text. Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Mark chapter 6, verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Verse 4. But Jesus said unto them. They, they was familiar with Jesus. In case y'all missed all that. They was familiar with him because they knew his mama and his stepdaddy. Stepdaddy. You heard me said that right? Jesus ain't had no daddy from this earth. And so they, they, they knew his mama and stepdaddy. And he's like... Man, we know your brothers and sisters and your mommy and your daddy. Who you think you are trying to come around here like you're some authority? Verse 4. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and his own house. I feel bad for my siblings. They was at cookout yesterday, picnic, had a good time. I told them, y'all got some food for your body. Come tomorrow and get food for your soul. I don't see either one. Because a prophet is not with honor in his own house. I understand it. I just got to pray that somebody from another house will reach them. You ever notice you can't, it's hard to reach your own family? It's hard to reach your own family. But if you will be faithful in reaching somebody else's family, somebody will reach your family. <laughs> and so they had issues with Jesus because they knew who he was. Verse 5 says this, And he could there do no mighty work. There was no awe and reverence. And when there was no awe and reverence, what happened? He couldn't do no mighty work. Mighty work. Save, he laid hands upon a few sick folk, a few sick folk, and healed them. So, this is the idea. We'll get healed just because, you know, that's just the way it go. Few sick folk will be healed when there's no reverence and awe. But if there's reverence and awe, mighty and many miracles will be done among us. And so what I'm preaching to you today is wonders and signs. And how we're going to get them is through reverence and awe. And we will get them. If we just come in to listen to a monologue, a speech, a guy that's talking. If that's the only reason why we're coming in and that's how we're approaching this. Then maybe every once in a while when you're sick you'll get healed. But you won't experience no mighty wonders and signs. Because there is no reverence and there is no awe. But if you will come to the place of saying, oh preacher, I heard what you 
said, and I know who this Jesus is, and I know him for myself now, and when you get to that place, and you come into this place with reverence, and with awe, and with praise, and with worship, when you come into the house with praise, and with thanksgiving, there's reverence and awe, and you will experience mighty signs, and mighty wonders, mighty signs, and mighty wonders, because there's reverence and awe. Let's stand. Let me show you something. Acts chapter 5 verse 11 says this. And great fear came upon all the church. And upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all on one accord in Solomon's porch. So what we've seen here is that signs was wrought when there was fear, awe, reverence. You want to experience the mighty miracles of God? There must be awe and signs. Can I tell you this? And this is where I'm closing. If you look at Acts, that's the birth of the church. Starting Acts chapter 2 and you go through it, you will see something. But the, the most repeated thing you will see in the book of Acts is that people, the apostles will minister to people. And most of what they told people was who Jesus is. You want to test me? Go read the book of Acts. Every time when they rolled upon Cordelius, they started telling him, Jesus of Nazareth. Just, you just keep going through. And they keep on reiterating from the time they preached in Acts chapter 2 all the way through the whole entire book of Acts. All they keep telling you as you begin to listen, this Jesus of Nazareth whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ. You can go through Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God. They just keep on going through to tell you who Jesus is. And without them doing anything, signs and wonders begin to take place. When Cornelius received the gift of the Holy Ghost, nobody laid hands on him. Now, the scripture do teach in Acts chapter, 9, chapter 19, chapter, yes, 19, verse 1 through 6, the scripture do teach laying of hands. In Acts chapter 8, the scripture do teach laying of hands and people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But when there's reverence and awe, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Cornelius was in such reverence and awe of this God that when Peter began to preach to him about this Jesus, who is God, the Bible says he just began to speak with tongues. And Peter said, look, they speak with tongues as we do. Peter and them was like, oh, snap. I thought this was just our thing. And they watched Cornelius talking in tongues. They were like, he's talking in tongues like us. Because the awe and reverence was there. Cornelius was serving God before he got baptized in Jesus' name. Before he was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He was serving God. And then God sent Peter to him to preach to him who Jesus is. And when he realized the whole process of who Jesus is, that's when the awe and the reverence came. He's like, oh man. So you're telling me the Jesus that died on the cross 
That's God manifesting flesh who came to save us? you telling me the whole time we was reading about this Messiah in the Old Testament, that's who we just crucified? You're telling me that's who it is? Oh, snap. He is amazing. How did he do that? And I just can't believe how awesome he is. And that alone, we're walking around telling people how good God is. Why don't you show people how good God is? Quit telling people, oh, God is so good. Show them how God is good. God is so good to me that I just gave him my life. God is so good to me that I look like this. God is so good to me that I walk like this. God is so good to me that I talk like this. God is so good to me I can't help him but to pray. As a matter of fact, right now, I just feel so good talking about God while I'm talking to you. I'm just going to lift my hands and say, Jesus, you are the Son of the living God. You are God manifesting flesh. And I worship you even now. I bow before you even now. I honor you even now. Oh, God, I can't help but to praise you. For there is none like you. And you do that in front of whoever you're talking to, whoever you're conversing with. It doesn't matter if God is really, if you're just in awe and in reverence of who God is, you don't need nobody. You can praise Him and worship Him just because of who He is. Church, we need signs and wonders. We need wonders and signs. We need miracles and the mighty works of God for people to come to a place where they know God is moving and God is working and the way we will get them to come and see is because of the signs and the wonders. I remember the woman in the world that said come see a man because there were signs. There were signs that he was the Messiah. There were signs that he is the Almighty God. And she ran back to her village and said come see a man when there is signs. When you are in Oh, and there's miracles. People will come and say there is signs and wonders that's working. There's signs and wonders that's following. There's signs and wonders. Oh, somebody, will you respond to the preaching of the word today? Somebody, will you send up some worship to God today? Will you send up some praise that the rain from heaven may come down upon you and water your soul and water your spirit and water your heart and water your life? And what is your situation without worship, without praise, without thanksgiving, without reverence and awe? There can't be any signs. There can't be any wonders. Will somebody go ahead and lift their voice and lift their hand and give God praise and give God worship? I know it's time to go, but will you give God a few more minutes? I know it's time to go, but will you lift up your voice unto the Lord? I know it's time to go. But when you call upon the name of Jesus, I know it's time to go. But who better can do for you than God can? What you need in your life is a miracle from God. What you need in your life is for the power of God to operate. With somebody today, will you lift up your hands? Will you lift up your heart to the Lord and say, God, today I give you my all. Today, I worship you. Today, I want you to know I'm in great reverence and awe of you. There is none like you. Oh, you are my king. You are my lord. You are my master. You are my redeemer. You are my deliverer. 
Uh, somebody get a hold of Jesus today. Uh, just between you and him. Uh, grab a hold of him. Uh, grab a hold of Jesus today. Uh, and you and him. Uh, you can be in awe of him and says, God, uh, I know what you got. Uh, I know what you can do. Uh, I know how great you are. I know how wonderful you are. I know how miraculous you are. I know it, God, and I won't let you go. I can't stop worshiping you. I can't stop praising you. I can't stop giving you the honor and the praise. Come on, somebody. I'm with you. I'm with you. I need God, too. I need to reverence him, too. I need to praise him, too. I need to be in awe of him. God, I want to make sure nothing can be above you. Nothing can be more than you to me. And today, God, oh, God, I get on my knees today and I cry out to you. I lift my hands to you. I'm in great reverence and awe of who you are. I'm in reverence and awe of who you are. God, you're so good to us. You're so wonderful to us. You're better to us than we are to ourselves. God, we call upon your name. We want you. We want you. We want you. We want you. We want your will to be done. We want your power to be manifested. We want your greatness to be revealed. Not just for us, but God for our community. But God for our family. But God for our churches. But God for our people. Our family. We want your will to be done. We're in awe of you, O great God. We're in awe of you, O God. We're in awe of you because you are our God. You are our King. Oh, great is the Lord. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Jesus, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Son of the living God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Overshadow us today with your glory. Overshadow us today with your power. Restore the joy of our salvation. Deliver us from sin. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from our strongholds. Deliver us from our addictions. Deliver us, Almighty God, from complacency. Deliver us from stagnation. Deliver us, O God, from unbelief. Deliver us from doubt and shame <laughs> oh hallelujah 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 Jesus we lay at your feet we bow before you today we bow before you today oh God we want to remain in awe and in reverence of you all the days of our life dwelling in the house of the Lord forever we want to remain in awe we want to remain in reverence of you for you are our God and there is no other God there is no other Savior all other gods are idols and there is no Savior, Lord God. There is the one God like you, Lord God. All of the gods are idols. You are the king eternally mortal. The only wise God. The only true and living God. The lifter up of our head. The source of everything. Oh God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. <laughs> oh God, I thank you for deliverance. I thank you for restoration. I thank you for your favor. I thank you, Lord God, for your favor. I thank you for your blessings. I thank you, oh God, for your sustaining 
power. I thank you, O God. I thank you, O God. Oh, Jesus, we thank you today. We thank you today, Lord Jesus. Oh, we thank you today. Will you save us, Lord? Will you save us from ourselves? Will you save us from the evil around us? Will you save us, Lord? I pray that somebody today will make up in their mind to be baptized in Jesus' name. And somebody will make up in their mind to turn their life over to you. And somebody will make up in their mind to repent of their sins. And somebody will make up in their mind, oh God, to give themselves to you. Oh, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. Oh God, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift inside of us, Lord God. Your Holy Spirit, Lord God, is in us. Will you stir it up? Your Holy Spirit, Lord God, will you stir it up? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. One more time, will you just lift your hands with me? And all you want to do now.